The Rock and Roll Coffee Show is brought to you by Writers and Rockers Coffee Company, keeping the music and memories alive with some damn good coffee. Be sure to pick up your Rock and Roll Coffee Show coffee only at writersandrockerscoffee.com. And also brought to you by Retroactive, located at Broadway at the Beach in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, keeping you retro with everything from 70s, 80s, and 90s. Shopretroactive.com. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for joining the show. My next guest has played with artists such as Bullet Boys, Janie Lane, Mike Tramp, White Lion, Tantric, uh, Gilby Clark, and more. He is also the host of the This, That, and the Other radio show and podcast. He is drummer Troy Patrick Farrell. Next on the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show. It's the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show. Yeah, we do. Troy, do you drink coffee? I do. It pretty much starts my day in the morning, for sure. It's not something I've always done. I've been a little bit more of a tea guy, actually. I think because of my mom, I don't know, she used to make tea at night or, you know, whatever, just kind of help me fall asleep or feel comfort. But uh, yeah, I sort of align it when I met my wife, I became a coffee guy, you know, but uh, I got to have foo-foo coffees. I can't just drink coffee. It's got to be, you know, something. It's, It's never just coffee. (laughs) <laughs> you get all your fancy flavors in there and stuff. Well, yeah, you know, um, yeah, my go-to is uh, Dunkin' Donuts. I'm uh, definitely loyal to them. However, their their situation changed with their rewards and stuff. So I've been staying away this past year because they mm. kind of realigned it, and you know, I, it's like they dangled the free carrot in front of your face, and then they changed it. So I was like, oh, you know. Plus, we also moved a little bit further away from the one that we used to go to, but. Uh, my go-to was, and I was on the Raskins tour in 2014, opening up for Motley Crue and uh, Alice Cooper. And JJ was our, uh, he was sort of our camera guy slash everything slash drum tech slash everything slash guitar tech. And he would order this, and he's an East Coaster. He would order this blueberry, iced blueberry coffee. I was like, oh, that sounds good. And then he'd add a little creamer to it. So I would order iced blueberry coffees. That was kind of my go-to for a long time. And uh, it uh, it reminds me of a, a great time when I had first moved into this new house in Vegas a few years ago. Well, probably five, six years ago now. And uh, I was waiting for the internet to get set up and I'm in there on the laptop trying to get all the utilities set up and just trying to keep day-to-day business going. And they call my name and announce my coffee. It's Troy with a, you know, large iced blueberry. And there was this guy (laughs) from the East coast, Boston, definitely with the accent. He was wicked cool. And he just kind of scoffed and said, blueberry, blueberry. (laughs) Coffee is the flavor of coffee. And I couldn't help but laugh because I know he was criticizing me. I go, dude, you are so right. Coffee is the flavor of coffee. But I had to put blueberries and creams and whatever. I don't do whipped cream, though. I I draw the line there. You know, so I am somewhat of a purist-ish, you know. Black's the only way to go, buddy. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, you'd probably be disappointed in my coffee excursions because it's it's like a goddamn dessert. But that's how I enjoy it. You know, it does. It it is a part of my morning for sure. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get into the rock and roll, huh? Yeah, yeah. Of course. All right. All right. right. So, tell me a little bit. I know you're from Indiana. Um, um, Did your parents play? I mean, how did you get into rock and roll? You know, my parents didn't play, but my dad, uh, who is a marine had bongos in the house and he would play bongos. I don't really know the story behind the bongos, you know, but uh, I remember playing with them with, uh, you know, wooden uh, spoons and stuff, you know, back in the day. And, um, you know, he had a lot of vinyl, had a whole, you know, back in the day, the houses you would have your, you know, there'd be the, the, the front room and the whole one wall would be like this big wood monstrosity with books and albums and you pull out the drawer and it was just endless. You couldn't find, 
it was like one spine went into the next spine of each album. Wow. And, you know, there was, there was everything, everything there, you know, like, uh, you know, the beach boys and the Letterman and just, it just everything, Gene Krupa, it just, you know, buddy rich, all everything you can think of. And, uh, my brother, Sean, who's the oldest in our family, also a bass player. He's about like Sean. Sean's a good guy. He, he's the one that got me into this mess because of, uh, you know, waking up to go to school begrudgingly to, you know, Dio and mm. Aerosmith and uh, Van Halen and, you know, Thin Lizzy. It just so I grew up on all that stuff, all that music, you know, more 70s than 80s, you know, but 80s became, you know, as I'm kind of an 80s kid. Sure. So uh, that, you know, that's what I inherited. Uh, as I got into my own, but uh, I grew up on all the cool 70s bands, you know, UFO mm-hmm. and just, you know, whatever, you know, but my brother, Sean, is the one uh, that got me into music. And uh, it's because every morning before school, he was he was spinning something on the turntable that drove my mom nuts. It was way too loud at 7 a.m. But that's that's how we started our yeah. day. That's awesome. So how did you find the drums? You know, made you say, I want to play drums again. My brother, Sean, took me to my first concert and that was uh, Dio and Rough Cut 1983. And I want to say that was a Rosemont Horizon, which was a and I don't know if it's still there or not, but it was a big venue in Chicago. It was like an arena, you know, yeah, probably 10, 12,000 people. And uh, I loved Rough Cut. It was cool. It was my Rough Cut was really the first band I ever saw live. But um, when Vinny Appice got up there and Dio and he slaying the dragon with the lasers and Vivian Campbell and Claude Schnell on the keys. And I was like, wow, but it was, it was uh Vinnie Apice on the drums. And that's, that's what Ronnie it. James Dio said. And I go, Oh my God. And we were like in 12th row. My brother took me to my first concert, got us great seats, 12th row center. And I can just feel that. I was like, Oh my God. And I hung out with a lot of friends in school that were in bands. They they had started like a year or so before me. And so I was, I was, even though I was into the music and into the whole sort of that rock and roll vibe. And my brother, Sean had long hair. I had long hair. Um, it was natural for me to, to slip right in once I got my moment. And that was mm. my moment. Dio 1983. Nice. Nice. Did you ever get to meet Vinny? I have met Vinny uh, on a few occasions, and uh, he's always been very gracious. In fact, I uh, was able to do a show in 2005 at the Banger Head Festival in Germany with Dio, and uh, Vinny was his drummer. And uh, and I was able to tell him, Vinny, you know, my the reason why I'm here right now talking to you is because of 1983 at the Rosemont Horizon. And you were the drummer <laughs> for Dio. So it, it it came full circle. And he was like, man, that's so cool. But yeah, I, you know, uh, I'm able to reach out and connect with them. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people do. It's it's such a different time now where we have, you know, for better or for worse, the accessibility to right. our heroes. Mm-hmm. But I love that I was able to have that moment with him going, dude, I am here at this festival with White Lion because of you. And he was blown away by that. It was awesome. Was he? That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He was like, wow. That, he goes, your first concert was Dio. I said, yeah, dude, my first concert, Dio and Rough Cut. He remembered Paul Shortino and Amir to Rock and all those guys. And he remembered that tour because that was a big tour for him as well. And, uh, you know, I don't know that he remembered Rosemont Horizon, but he remembered that tour in 1983. And I was able to share the fact that that was my first tour that that uh, brought me to Germany to play on the same stage as him. And that it's really, amazing, isn't it? That, it? It really is. And I still, I still get emotional when I think about it. Cause it really was a, a pivotal time in my life that really kind of changed, you know, uh, a lot of things for me, you know? So, yeah. Well, Dio, that's a hell of a first concert. <laughs> no. And, and, and I think my brother, uh, every day, whether he knows it or not for, for exposing me to, to people like Dio and, uh, Finn Lizzie, Phil Lanot is a huge yeah. hero of mine and Aerosmith and just, you know, cheap trick. I mean, you know, I grew up in Chicago, so they were Chicago's heroes, you know, Rockford, Illinois. So mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I got exposed to a lot of great music. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you, when you said you're an eighties kid, so were there bands when you were still younger that you were looking up to of the 80s scene? Yeah. Especially in Chicago. Um, we had a lot of bands there, but namely enough's enough, you know, which is really? very cheap trickish. Yeah. You know, so they're, 
from the South Side, Blue Island, Chicago uh, area. And in 1985, I, w- I remember my old manager, I was in a band called uh, 85, I think. Yeah, I was in a band called Brat. And my old manager said, hey, this Enough's Enough is playing. And they were the Chicago heroes. They were like mm-hmm. the new sort of cheap trick. You know, cheap trick was 70s. These guys were 80s. They were playing a softball field, and you got to see this drummer, Vicky Fox, you know. Love and Vicky. Vic Fox is all just, you know, this. Mm-hmm. And I was I was blown away. I think my jaw was on the ground. <laughs> and uh, he tossed a stick at me, and I still have it to this day. And I've, I've become friends with Vic over the years. He knows how much I respect him. I've played with Chip and Donnie. I've played with Donnie solo. I've played with, with Chip, uh, with other members in the band fronting it. And, uh, I, you know, I've got a lot of history with Enough's Enough. I used to see him at a club in Northwest Indiana called Club Dimensions, Club D. And I was underage, but my brother would bring me in. As long as you stay, you know, that you have to be back behind this, not behind the stage, but behind this, uh, it's like this uh, weird wall that was built there. So as long as I could hide behind the wall and the only thing I could see from behind the wall was that drummer, Vicky mm-hmm. Fox. And so uh, they were my local heroes. Like, wow, these are these, there, there are local guys, there are Chicago band, but they're also going places. Yeah. And so yeah. that was exciting. That was my cheap trick. That was my version. Sure. Of cheap trick. So it was sure. very cool to grow up and watch them, uh, you know, do as well as they did. Yeah. I've got a, a funny Vicky Fox story. I had, um, when I was younger, we used to go to this place in Tampa called the Rocket Club, where all the bands would come through and play. And uh, Enough's Enough was opening up for Badlands at the time. So on our way to the show, we passed the hotel and there was a tour bus out there. So being young kids that we were, anytime we saw something like that, of course, we had to go check it out. So after the show, we went back to that hotel and the tour bus was still there. Turns out it was Enough's Enough's tour bus. So here we are at the hotel with Enough's Enough. We ended up hanging out with them all night. But Vicky came to me and he goes, hey, man, I know where there's a party. Do you want to go? And I was like, yeah, let's go. So Vicky got in my car. You know, we didn't know each other. He just jumped in my car. We're heading to this party and their tour manager steps in front of my car and was livid. Got him out of that car so fast. We never made it to the party, but we ended up hanging out at the hotel all night and just partying. It was a good time. But uh, yeah, Vicky, great guy. Yeah, Vic, Vic's a great dude and and really sort of kind of molded my my early style, you know, um, having a deep pocket as a drummer playing for the song and then trying to look cool doing it. And I was like, I was like, that's the road I took, you know, um, mm-hmm. obviously a lot of people are like, you know, who, who are your favorite drummers? And, you know, listen, Neil Peart, I get it. Ian Pace. Yeah, fantastic drummers. But uh, to me, it was it was like algebra. You know, I didn't yeah. really it didn't latch onto me and there's nothing wrong with it. I love, I mean, I love that. I sit there and watch them in fascination, you know, but mm-hmm. a guy like Vic Fox, I'm like, wow, I can actually do that. You know, sure. just have a great pocket, have chops and look cool doing it. And that resonated with me. So I, I love Vic still to this day, always in my top three favorite drummers. What's he doing now? Do you know? You know, he's got a wife that's in the pharmaceutical business and apparently they have a, a family business that, that does quite well. And he's got a studio. And so he's always dabbling. I think he does, you know, some scores or he does some drums for scores and does stuff like that. But he's he's very much been off the grid. And uh, when we get to talking about the, the radio show I do, he's somebody I'm definitely seeking out. We've talked about it, but, you know, he's always he's always like, eh, eh, you know, until he's got something to talk about. But uh, there, mm-hmm. th- there's so much really to talk about him. Uh, even if he doesn't have something currently going on, but, uh, he's somebody I want to, I want to find out because I I've admired him. I mean, I've been watching him since 85 and yeah. you know, how many years that is now, but, uh, he's somebody we're talking about right now today in 2022. Sure. So obviously it's, uh, you know, he made an imprint on my life. Mm-hmm. So you grew up there and you started playing in the bands. I'm assuming you started with some cover songs into the original acts. Um, but then you decided to go out to LA Right? Yeah, at uh, 18, uh, 1990. So I graduated in 91, 92, April. I was uh, my my uh, b- my bass player from the band Brat. Uh, and I he drove his Ford Fairmont with a, <laughs> they get a U-Haul. We got the U-Haul trailer hitch on there. Probably illegal today. And <laughs> I was in a Dodge Daytona and we drove across the country 2,000 miles to uh, California where our manager uh, Margaret, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. We had a manager in the band, Brat. Okay. And uh, and anyway, she'd moved out to LA years before. And then also had a good friend that I went to school with that was living in LA. And he was like, you know, hey, I got a band for you and you should come out here and I have all these things for you. And, you know, of course those things didn't happen, but, uh, you know, I was, I was obviously, you know, questioning all that stuff. Should I go? What's going to, I mean, right, moving to LA, you know, growing up in Northwest Indiana, I played Chicago, very much a big city. They call it the second city. And so, you know, it's a real city, but, you know, I got to go back home to, you know, the safety of uh, our town of, you know, 19,000 people or whatever. Moving out to LA was a very big change in my life. And I was not sure about doing it, but, you know, I had Margaret there, my friend Rick there. And I was like, Hey, you know what? My mom said, you know, my mom hails me, you know, hails all our kids, but I feel like she loves me the most. <laughs> You're the favorite. <laughs> she said, I never want you to say, what if don't ever say that in life. So do it. And you can always come back. And that was, uh, that was how many years ago? <laughs> so you I never went back. back. I, I never went back because, you know, I, and I lived in LA for 22 years, but uh, yeah. So I moved out there to join these bands. Um, one of the bands was going to be Christina LeRae, who was, I think she's married to the bass player in South Gang. I don't know. I don't remember his name, mm -hmm. but South Gang had the guitar player, Butch Walker, sure. who's obviously made a huge career writing songs for not only himself, but, you know, artists like Pink and, and, Avril Levine and many others. So I was dipping my toes in that. And I was familiar with South Gang. Um, anyway, that audition never happened. So I was out there and I was like, oh, all right, well, what am I going to do? You know, so ended up finding a gig at Ticketmaster and I was selling ticket, you know, tickets uh, on the phone, you know, hey, you know, good morning. Right. Back when you had to call in or go to the store yeah, to buy them. Back in the day. And it was good morning. Thanks for calling Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster, where American Express is the preferred method of payment. My name is Troy. <laughs> what event can I help you out with? You know, and, uh, you know, so I did that for many years and then uh, ultimately, you know, started jamming with some other people and we can get there when we do. But uh, yeah, I, I moved to LA right out of high school. Wow. So what happened to Brat or you well, and the bass player? Yeah, we didn't move out there to do the band. We moved out there to find bigger mm. things, you know, whether it was together or separately. And it uh, turns out we actually went separate ways. You know, I haven't talked to uh, our bass player. His name is Mark, but he he went by Holly Days back in the day. And he was he was the one writing all the songs for the band. And we were, we you know, we were, you know, moving the needle a little bit as a local young band in the Chicagoland area. And I think now we lost touch for many years, but I think now he makes uh, like Halloween mask and does like gelatin mask and okay. you know, does a lot of stuff like that. But I haven't really talked to him in many years. We're, we're connected on Instagram, but I don't really know what happened to him out, uh, outside of, uh, you know, some other bands that he played in. But uh, I went out there and, and we just kind of went out there together and then we just did our own thing. And uh, the first notable artist I played with was Todd Howarth, who was in a band called uh, Fraley's Comet. Okay. And he was on Megaforce Records with Ace Fraley, which was his first uh, label, you know, beyond uh, the Kiss solo albums that they all did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, Todd was in a band called 707, also played with Cheap Trick, Ted Nugent on the Penetrator tour. And I did an audition and Todd loved my pocket. And he said, wow, you're the guy. And I was underage. I was I couldn't play bar. I mean, I could play bars, but I, like, I had to come in just before and I had mm -hmm. to leave. It was a whole thing. And Todd really kind of gave me my, my first big break. And then, so how long were you with Todd? I was with Todd from 94 to about 96. And we, we uh, were called the band hardware. And then we changed the, the name to wet camp and we would play like FM station, the Roxy and, you know, it just didn't, didn't really do anything. Nothing you know, we'd play it. gigs, they would book gigs and I was just there to, to play, you know what I mean? I was just like, right. wow, I'm playing with the guy from Philly's Comet. That was cool for me. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. So when that split up, I mean, did you leave that situation to go to another situation or were you back looking for something new? No, I was, I was back for, uh, looking for something else. And you know, the timeline it's, it's kind of weird as you get older, the timeline sort of blurs a little yeah. bit. Um, Trust me, I understand. I, I know that there was a, uh, a big moment that, uh, I had a band called dragon and that was with some other guys from Chicago, uh, George Adrian, who's actually the bass player. He's a great guitar player and sings and a great songwriter, but he's out with, um, the, uh, the guitar player from Alice in Chains. Help me out here. Jerry Cantrell. Thank you very much. Yeah, and welcome. Jerry Cantrell has been out there touring and George is actually out there playing guitar or I'm sorry, bass guitar for him, okay. you know? 
So George has actually had an upswing in his uh, musical career. Yeah. And then uh, this guy named Darren Lazlo from a, a big regional rock band called Sergeant Rock. So we started a three piece kind of blues rock band called Dragon. And we were doing a lot of original stuff and then also doing, you know, uh, Whipping Post by Allman Brothers and doing Frankenstein, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, that was definitely something that was part of it. And then another person that I played of notable uh I guess you know worthwhile mentioning was Mick Sueda from Bullet Boys. Yeah, and I, I was in Mick his band for a little yeah. bit. And uh, yeah, Mick's a great guy and a fantastic guitar player. And uh, so yeah, you know, so I was with him for a few years. So it's kind of like '94 to '98. I just did kind of a bunch of different things okay. and played with some you know really cool notable guys. And uh, but really had a lot of fun doing uh dragon because it was us and it was our mm. stuff and we were writing music and collaborating and I felt like. That was a very pivotal, pivotal, say it again. (laughs) It was a very great time in my career because I was, um, you know, writing drum parts and contributing to the direction of the music versus Mm -hmm. just, you know, being told what to play, you know? Okay. Okay. Do you write? Like on guitar, do you write songs or I I don't, I I can't play guitar, piano. I can, I can hum melodies. You know, and I have ideas for stuff, but I got to tell you, I, I think my biggest uh, asset in the past would be in the studio with stuff that's been created and going, God, what if we just on this part did this here? You know, a little mm. bit more kind of producer, kind not, of producer, yeah. you know, just like little ideas, you know, maybe God, a bridge or a little break here, a little something here, you know, so it, it's kind of like, I, you know, I don't, I don't bake the cake. I don't, uh, do the whole, you know, whatever, but maybe I do the sprinkles and, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I'm okay with that. You know, I like to contribute in some way. And, and, uh, I think the people that write music, they're amazing. And I love that. And if I can just like sprinkle something on there that they wouldn't otherwise hear, then, you know, I'm, I'm cool with that too. You ever think about producing another band? No, you know, I don't really have a lot of studio experience outside of, uh, recording in, mm. you know, on my own, but, uh, I, I feel like I have good ideas. I mean, I've always been told, and, and a lot of my ideas have, have gone to album, you know, they, the, the changes that I like, Hey, what if we did this here? They've made it, you know, they, they mm. weren't outvoted. So I just have never really been in that situation, but I would love to, I mean, I love music. I love the, the creative process. I love finding things on the, from the ground floor up and, uh, and, and hearing like, you know, everything that they have and going, God, man, there's, Ooh, what if we did this? You right, know, but, uh, right. I'm just not in those uh, situations. Yeah. Well, maybe in the future. I would love to. I mean, you yeah. know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I dig the creative process. Yeah. Are you more of a studio guy or a live guy? What do you prefer? Definitely more of a live guy. I mean, I've been right. hired for studio gigs, but, uh, you know, I'm just uh, kind of a simple drummer, you know. And so, you know, there's been certain gigs, you know, that have been called for that, you know, that call for that kind of stuff. And I fit right in. But, uh, there are certain guys that are just session guys and they mm-hmm. just get it. And uh, I, I don't know that I'm not one of those guys, but it's not my forte. I'm definitely a live guy. I love the live. That's really where I thrive, you know, is being in that live environment and and taking, you know, songs from other artists or from other drummers or whatever and, and making sure that you stick to, you know, the script a little bit and then you do your thing with it and then maybe add a little visual flair to it or add some energy to it that otherwise isn't there, you know, so that mm. I would say, you know, uh, the live vibe is a little bit more okay. my speed than, you know, studio. So, but I've, but I've done a lot of studio stuff, you know, yeah. but I'm not known for that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the Raskins. You mentioned them earlier. Now, is that a band you joined or did you, I don't not, I don't know a lot about them. Yeah. So did you join the Raskins or did you help form the Raskins? How'd that work out with you? Yeah. So it's two twin brothers from New York and, uh, they, you know, pretty much laid the groundwork in LA and, uh, you know, it goes back. Vic Fox used to play with them. In fact, I think Derek Frigo. Yeah. Yeah. Vic Fox had played with them and Derek Frigo. And, you know, they have a history of hiring guys, you know, it's like, it's the two twin brothers and they write music and they, you know, try and, I think they're still even to this day trying to figure out what, what they want to do. And Hmm. they're very talented. Um, they're two twin brothers. Uh, one sings, uh, Roger sings and, uh, I'm sorry, Logan sings Roger's guitar player. They both harmonize together. Like no other, it, it really is awesome. And I think they're trying to find 
their niche and what they do still, you know, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. You know, uh, while I feel that they're true to themselves as what they are as artists, I, I think that they need to take that and just, just go with it. Um, but yeah, Vic Fox, Derek Frigo was in the band. And I think Vic is the one that said, Hey, I'm playing with this band. I can't do this gig. You want to do oh, it. Okay. And that's how I got involved with them. And uh, when they went out and did the Motley Crue tour, the final tour, which would be not the final tour in 2014, I was called to do that. And I uh, not only tour managed that, but I played drums in it as well. And I've done amazing. some videos so for them too. How did, I mean, getting that opening, opening slot, how did that make you feel growing up? I'm sure you were a Motley fan, right? Absolutely. I mean, who's not a fan? I mean, of that? Right. How, how did that make you feel knowing I'm opening for the crew? Well, we're playing arenas for Motley Crue, but wait, there's more Alice Cooper, you know, and we're going to be the opening band. There's three bands. We're the first of three bands and, uh, you know, playing, you know, I got to play Tinley park, which is South side of Chicago. My family was able to be there and we're playing, you know, with the lawn. I mean, you know, and every show was massive, you know, there was, you know, 20,000, 15,000, whatever. I played the Hollywood bowl. I played, you know, Madison square, you know, garden right. played Jones beach played, uh, mm. the, uh, Oh my God, I should know this, but the, uh, the hockey arena in, uh, in Detroit, you know, yeah. and it, it, it's like, I mean, it's massive, you know, and I still, when, when I get to tell these stories, which is kind of far and few between these days, it takes me back to, you know, a great, a great time. I mean, yeah. you know, opening up for heroes like Motley Crue and Alice Cooper. Yeah. Yeah. I had, um, Ronnie Simmons on the show. With yeah, Ronnie, Ronnie, Ronnie did, uh, I want to say the second leg of that tour because there was a break mm-hmm. somewhere in the fall, somewhere in October, and then he came back and played the second leg. Yeah, yeah. He, the, he was telling me that story, how he filled in for them, and that's kind of where I heard of them. Mm, so, yeah, yeah. So you played with Ronnie. I have played with Ronnie. Good. So Ronnie Good. was an up-and-coming Australian, and now he's playing with, uh, you know, um, Apologies for the dogs, but he's, uh, he's, um, you know, he's, he's out there with punk bands and he's playing with, uh, oh my God, there's a he's band. With, uh, Richie Ramone and the Faster Pussycat. Yeah. Richie Ramone. But, but he's also now playing with, uh, what's the band Gene R covered this band, big Australian band. Forgive me for not uh, recollecting the name. I don't but know. I feel like I'll look it up when you ask the next question. But <laughs> yeah, no. So Ron, the point is, is uh, Ronnie is is doing great things. And when I met him and we got out on that tour and he was the new guy, uh, he replaced uh, Jet. I was like, wow, you know, he's like, you know, six foot, 120 pounds, black hair, good looking, has the accent. And by the way, he can play guitar, you know. Yeah, and he's badass. just the right guy. He's just the right energy for a gig like that, you know? So it was mm-hmm. very, very cool. And, you know, the Raskins, the, the brothers and myself and our bass player, Johnny Martin, who plays in LA Guns, you know, mm-hmm. we're a little bit older guys, you know, despite the fact we like to lie about it. I don't, but, you know, everybody <laughs> wants to feel like they're super young. Listen, we are who we are. Yep, yeah, change that as long as you go out there and kick ass. Um, but it was great having that young 20-something energy out there, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, he was loving it, so... Yeah, him. He came through here with uh, Faster Pussycat, and him and Sam together with Faster Pussycat. It's perfect combination oh my God, for them. Yeah, yeah. Sam, Sam, Bam, Colton, another great guitar player, plays with uh, Dorothy, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, he's awesome. And and mm-hmm. he actually filled in for uh, for Ace Von Johnson mm-hmm. in LA Guns here in Vegas. Sam's just a great dude. He is a St. Louis boy, and I was out there in St. Louis uh, last year with Gilby Clark. And he was out there to be a part of, of the show because we did the Gilbert Clark show. And then it was a benefit for first responders. And Sam came up and played uh, Thin Lizzy with us and, nice. and something else. But, you know, here, you know, think about Gilby Clark and Sam Bam, you know, as far as the age goes. But as far as the guitar playing goes and the spirit, it was like that. It was yeah. even. And uh, I love I love Sam. He's a great dude. He's got a great disposition for this business. Uh, he's going to go far. He's yeah, going to go I far. I agree. I agree. Tell me about Gilby. You mentioned Gilby. Um, how did you get Gilby gig? So I was working at an agency called Artists Worldwide and Gilby was on the roster. And, you know, when, when you start working as an agent at a, you know, and you've never been an agent, they give you all the bands that aren't doing anything, you know, cause it's easier to book a band, you know, that's going to bring you a lot of money in one phone call instead of the band that you got to make 10 phone calls to book one gig, you know? Mm-hmm. 
So I got those bands and, and, uh, you know, I knew about Gilby and I knew, uh, the bass player, EJ curse, who I'd played with in, uh, he had done some subbing in white lion. When I played white lion from Oh five to Oh nine, he had subbed out a, a, a tour. So I hit up EJ and I call Gilby and I'm like, well, you know, Hey, why are you not doing shows? He goes, well, I don't have a band. I said, well, if you had a band, would you do shows? He goes, well, yeah. I said, well, all right, well, I play drums. You've already played with EJ. I've played with EJ. You want to put a band together? <laughs> and so he says, yeah, learn these three songs, come down to my house. And we played the three, three songs and he goes, uh, cool. I got a band. I go, you what? want some shows? And so we book, we book shows and this is back in, you know, 2010, 2011. So I've been playing with Gilby for over a decade now. Wow. But I'm, it surprised. Really from that. I'm surprised at that because I would think he would be like, who is this guy that's calling me right now? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I think, I think EJ vouched for me a little bit. Uh, you know? okay. And I'm like, listen, I'm, you know, I'm at your agency. What, why, why are we not doing shows? Like, what's the deal? And he goes, well, I don't really have a band. I go, well, if you had a band, yeah, goes, yeah, maybe I do some shows. And, you know, he, he's played with a lot of great people, you know, but yeah. you know, when you're doing that, that kind of thing, he's jammed with a lot, you know, Eric Singer, mm. Brian Tishy, Chad Stewart from faster, all these, you know, but they're, they're always doing their own thing, you know, but if I had some guys I can rely on, then I would do it. And I said, well, I'll be a guy you can rely on. He says, come down and let's see if, if you're good, you know, if it works. And we did that rehearsal. He goes, cool. That, let's book some shows. And it's, we've been doing it for over 10 years now. You know, we've had some, some wild experiences, uh, you know, some I'm good, sure. stuff, you know, but uh, yeah, we've been to India. We played uh, Beirut and, you know, or somewhere we played, uh, oh, we played somewhere. We got ripped off $7,500, <laughs> you know, oh, Mexico, you know, but we've done a lot of stuff together. And uh, you know, I was fortunate to record on this, uh, last album called the gospel truth. And, mm -hmm. you know, Gil Gilby's a cool guy, you know, I, I dig playing with Gilby and, uh, you know, we don't do a lot of work, you know, and he's in a lot of different things, Kings of chaos, and he's got his jam bands or whatever, but I appreciate that when he does a Gilby Clark tour or a show, uh, you know, despite the fact that I've now since moved to Vegas, I'm still his first phone call. So are you? Okay. Okay. So you're still his guy. Unless Jimmy DeAnda is available. <laughs> but yeah, Jimmy subs for me, which is kind of funny because Jimmy DeAnda is, again, another one of my favorite drummers. And so when I can't do a gig and Jimmy's, you know, it's like, yeah, Jimmy's going to sub. I'm like, Jimmy's no sub. Jimmy's Jimmy DeAnda, you know, but, yeah. I, you know, it, it is what it is. But, you know, for me as a kid, loving the Bullet Boys who I've had the opportunity to play with, you know, um, there's no other than Jimmy DeAnda. And so if he's filling in on a gig, I can't do for whatever reason, it's kind of funny. It's more of a joke than anything. Go, yeah. Jimmy's subbing for me this week, but still it's, it's fucking Jimmy yeah. DeAnda. I love Jimmy. Yeah. That seems more of the normal these days of musicians just kind of doing various things instead of just their only their group. It seems like a lot of people I talk to, if there's free time, they might do something else as well as their main group. Do you see that? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. In this day and age, you know, the, the days of the, you know, the, the gang, the gang's all here, you know, that mm -hmm. those days aren't there because if the gang is not working, then the gang, you know, the members of the gang have to find things to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, you know, and, and that plus there's no, there's not a lot of loyalty really, you know, so it's like, whoever's available, I got to do a gig. If you can't do it, I'll find somebody else to do it. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, mm -hmm. it, it is what it is. It's the business and uh, it's, it can be brutal at times, but uh, it is very different than when I was growing up and you were growing up, you know, like our heroes were, you know, if it wasn't those four or five guys up there, right. then there was something wrong. And that, that was unheard of in the seventies and eighties, but now mm -hmm. today, you know, whatever, whoever can fill the, the, the shoe is going to fill the shoe and the show must go on. And, and uh, you know, I get, it just is what it is. Things evolve and change and uh, things like that maybe become less important. I don't know, you know, or you just yeah. have to accept it or, or don't, you know, but uh, you know, I've certainly seen some bands that don't, you know, that are missing key members. You know, I've been in bands missing key. I was in white lion missing a key member. His name's Vito Brada, you know, but Vito didn't want to do it. And Mike tramp felt at the time that he had the right to do it. And what was I going to do? Say, no, if Vito's not here was <laughs> like, no, I'm going to go out with white line and, and, and go to these 40 countries and, and play in front of 43,000 people in India. You know what I mean? So 
um you know it it just is the lay of the land in this day and age mm. you know it's it, you know things have evolved for better or for worse to the way it is now you know yeah yeah talk a little bit about white lion so i mean how did that come up i got a, a call this is back in uh so i did my first tour with mike tramp in 2001 and uh i was playing in the band dragon we'd mentioned with my chicago friends and there was another great band called choking ghost one of these bands that was kind of uh Soundgarden slash you know rage against the machine just really cool aggressive but melodic band three piece mm -hmm. and uh there was a bass player and a guitar player jerry and kenny that had played with mike tramp in a band called freak of nature which was post white lion and they had a band called zero g and it was these three guys the drummer uh, was unable to do the tour and it called the singer from the band choking ghost said hey i can't do this tour this mike tramp because mike tramp called jerry and kenny said hey i'm coming to the country you guys are my backing band are we good well the drummer couldn't do it so jerry had reached out to this mutual friend and he says hey i know this guy playing in this like blues rock band but he's a rock dude you know and he's from chicago and you should call him up so i got the call from jerry i went down there picked up the cd and uh jerry said hey learn these three songs come on down next week we'll play them together i played them uh with jerry and kenny and they said yeah he's the guy hey mike we got the guy next thing you know mike showed up a month later and uh played one full pass and, and mike's like all right cool let's go and we we went on tour and it was my first tour with mike tramp on the uh it would be the for the capricorn album which came out in 99 but this was 01 by the time he got to the states you know a couple of years had passed and when he put together white lion uh, after, you know, talking to the old guys and realizing they weren't going to get back together, he had probably got some offers, wanted to make some money. Mm -hmm. Can you go out as White Lion? We went out initially as Tramp's White Lion in 05, and he handpicked his guys from various scenarios, you know, playing in different countries. So he had been down to Australia. So Jamie Law was our guitar player from Australia. He had his brother in Copenhagen uh, on bass, Klaus Langeskopf. Uh, our keyboard player, Henning Vanna, just kept beating him up going if you ever do white line if you ever do white line if you know so he called henning i can sing the backup i can do the harmonies i can play the keys you know which was a very key part in a lot of these songs and then mike said well hey i had this drummer in 01 that was really good for me and uh so when i do tramps white lion he's the guy and, and so that's how i got into white lion was from that solo tour i did in 2001. wow how does that make you feel for him to choose you it, it it's awesome and in fact you know we we spoke uh about a week ago via email and on the phone and he's got a new album coming out uh it'll be mike tramp and the songs of white lion and uh he's re-recorded some of the hits because his musical you know not only has the key changed you mm -hmm. know a little bit for him he's not way up here anymore uh his his approach to the music has changed a little bit it's a little bit more singer songwriter a little bit more brian adams bruce springsteen but it's it's not folk at all and in fact when uh when I hear what he's doing now, it takes me back to, you know, one of the, like what we were doing back in 05, you know, mm -hmm. we were already down a step, you know, and I feel like he's still delivering Mike Tramp of White Lion, you know, yeah, he's not up there, but he's still the voice. It's still the rasp. It's still the delivery. The melody's still the same, even if the guitar is not so, you know, the kick drum's not so punchy and the, the production's not so whatever, it's still the guy. You know, yeah. it still mm -hmm. sounds like the guy and, you know, he's doing some stuff in Europe, but it's scattered festivals. And he goes, he goes, Hey, listen, he goes, you know, when I do this stuff, I want you to know that you're my guy. Like I, but there's so many gaps between dates, you know? And I'm mm -hmm. like, I don't even think about it. I, if I see him that he's playing like sweet, sweet rock fest, which I played for the first time in 07 with him or 06, maybe, you know, I don't see that and go, what, why didn't he call me? You know, right. It's like, right. well, because the flight is this much money and the rehearsal, you know, I get it. I don't even think about it, but for the fact that he puts that in an email saying, listen, you're my guy. And had it not been for all these gaps, you would be out here, you know, mm -hmm. you know, I'm married now and you know, all this stuff. Yeah. So, you know, it's not practical, but it's nice to hear, you know, because loyalty in this business is far and few between, but Mike's been loyal to me for 20 years, you know, and I appreciate awesome. that. It, it really it is nice you know i get it doesn't change whether i'm out there or not but it's nice to hear that somebody goes hey i thought about sure. you and and there you go and i'm cool with that you know 
Sure. So are you open to take offers like bands that need a drummer? Are you open to hear them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I listen, I'm a drummer. I love playing drums and mm -hmm. I don't care. You know, I went out with uh, two years ago, I went out with a country artist playing like some, sure. you know, ticket, 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 you know, and uh, Nashville stuff. And I'm not a Nashville guy, you know, but, you know, I had to learn shuffles and things like that, you know, and, and, you know, playing some old school Skinner tune. I play in a Skinner band out here in Vegas. I'm a sub for it, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's called Sweet Home Alabama. So, you know, I love, I'm a drummer. I play drums and I'm a blue collar guy and I like to do things that might be a little outside of my wheelhouse. And uh, so, yeah, you know, as far as like going out and touring and stuff, it has to be the right thing, you know? Sure. Getting in a van, room, rooming up in the Motel 6 with three other guys, you know, probably not going to happen. You not know, as appealing but, as it used to be. It, yeah, it was never appealing, you know, but it's like... You know, <laughs> it you know, was fun, it's though. Like, yeah, but it was easier back then, yeah. you know, but, uh, you know, I want to be out there and be happy and be able to contribute. And, you know, your um, your environment helps that, you know, and if the environment's just shitty and the pay shitty and it's just like... You know, listen, I'm all about doing things for the spirit. And I do a lot of gigs for free. I do things for the sake of it, because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I'm a drummer and I play drums. And if there's a, a, a like a, a, a benefit or whatever, or, hey, can you come, whatever, come jam a tune. I'm not holding out my, my hand for cash. Yeah. Like, Fuck yeah. I'll be up there. Let's play. What's the song we're doing? Judas priest. Let's go. You know what yeah. I mean? You love to play. play yeah. I love to play, you know, but when it comes to leaving the house and leaving my wife and the dogs and, and that dynamic changes, it, th certain things have to be in play for that to make sense. You know, of course, of course. So that takes me to you being at home. You're doing a radio show now from your home, right? I am. Yeah. 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 I'm in my studio right now. It, it, usually looks a little better. Number one, the camera's terrible, but uh, because I haven't set it up fully, I don't have all the, you know, like accoutrements, like you, you dude, your, your whole setup is great there with the bass guitars and everything. But <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I, I've been doing this radio show called This, That, and the Other for five years. And, wow. uh, you know, while um, both stations that I've been on have had apps, you know, it's an internet-based station, but I feel like the thing that is different from what I do versus all the podcasts out there is that I broadcast live, you know, yeah. and I don't edit my interviews. I, we do them as they happen, you know, for better or for worse. And, uh, and I love that live aspect because I feel like it really changes the vibe. You know, when I'm doing a sure. pre-record and I don't like doing them, um, and I try to do them in a live fashion. I know that, well, if something goes wrong or whatever, I can fix it. And I, I like to know that I can't fix it. So here we are, we're doing it. And I feel like it, um, adds an element of, you know, vulnerability, you know, mm -hmm. and honesty. Definitely. So, um, so yeah, I've been doing it for, for five years. I did an interview for a radio station out here, uh, called radio Vegas rocks, uh, which is no longer happening. The, the guy that was behind it, Jay, crazy Jay, who had been in radio for, for many, many years passed away. And it seems like since then, the people that took it over just kind of mm -hmm. fell apart and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, nothing on them but crazy Jay was the guy behind it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I had done an interview. I got called from a buddy going, Hey, you know, we're doing this buck cherry promotion, whatever this guy wants to interview and promote. You want to come out here? There's beers and whatever. Come to the M in Las Vegas. All right. So I went out there after I did the interview, uh, Jay goes, Hey man, you got a lot of great stories and you seem to communicate really well. I have a radio station. I got a couple, would you like to come and talk or spin? I go, what do I do? He goes, just do it. What do you want to do? I said, well, I got a lot of friends in my Rolodex and I can call do some interviews. And, and so I, I started to learn how to do it there for about three years. And, and now I'm on dirty radio.fm, uh, you know, like dirty radio.com, but it's dirty radio.fm. I've been doing this for two years now, starting my third year. And uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I've always listened to talk radio. Mm -hmm. I've listened to Howard Stern. My dad always spun like Jack Benny and suspense and all these, you know, radio shows, old time radio shows growing up. So uh, you know, I listened to talk radio all my life, a lot more than music. So I just enjoy this interaction. It's a mm -hmm. lot of fun to me. Mm -hmm. Was that something that was, um, well, I guess it just came natural to you to be able just to talk to, I mean, you're talking to people, but you're talking to nobody. You know what I mean? You're sitting in your room talking. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I hope it it's natural. I, I feel like I, I, I can converse and, uh, you know, and, and I try and do some research, but again, you know, I don't try and stick to a script where, you know, I'm just trying to hit all the questions because if, uh, if you ask one question and it goes on, you know, off the rails, I like right. that. I actually like to go direction that like, Oh wow. I didn't even know that, you know, because if you're so focused on your questions, you're going to get the same, you're going to get the answers to those questions. But I like when, something inspires, you know, the spontaneity inspires something else that may have not been revealed or, or, you know, explored before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, despite the fact that a lot of people that I talk to, just like yourself have been in the business for years and years and years, we've been talking about the same shit for years. And there's always something else like, Ooh, that's something else of the story you didn't remember last time. And you just talked about it right here, right. you know, right. for whatever reason, you know, and I like that moment. I, re I really do. I think it's great. I think the vulnerability um, is is a very cool thing. And I think when people feel comfortable going, hey, you know, we're just talking here, uh, that's, a, that's a great thing. And I think it gives a great insight to the person that, you know, people really respect and love and admire, you know, our, our artists, our actors and, you know, musicians and whatever, doctors and lawyers and whoever, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I just love the medium, you know, it's, it's, sure. uh, it's a blast for me. Sure. Now, are you the only one doing it? Like, are you booking your guests? Are you uh, producing your show? Are you, is it just you or do you have a little team? With no, you? it is just me. Despite the fact is my it? brother wants to be my producer. Yeah, it is just me. So, you know, I do the research, I do all the clips. Um, you know, I had Eddie trunk from Sirius XM and that metal show on uh, yesterday, Wednesday, the 21st. And I asked him, I said, how much show prep, you know, cause he's doing six, seven shows a yeah. week, you know, yeah. I'm doing one live show a week. And, you know, I mean, listen, there are times when I'm lazy or I know who I'm talking to, you know, but I, you know, I got to do my due diligence and look up what's going on. What is, you know, is there something that's, you know, I like to say, I like to peel the onion. I never sandbag my guest. You know, it's not Jerry Springer where, you know, <laughs> somebody comes out of the woodwork, but, you know, listen, if there's something there to talk about, I, I won't leave it alone. You know, like, Hey, let's, sure. can we talk about this? And somebody say, I can't talk about it for whatever reason Then I don't push on it, but I like to peel the onion. Um, but yeah, with that being said, it's, it's all me for better or for worse. I do, you know, and in addition to the interviews, you know, I play music, I play a lot of new music. I get people that submit new music. I do a three hour live show. Uh, I do bits. I've done some silly phony phone calls, you know, like, you? You know like, yeah, I, I called off work at a Walmart that I don't work at. I just called <laughs> in and I just said, sorry, I can't come in. I was too drunk today. And, you know, and that, that dynamic was weird. I also called uh, a CVS. There was a, a news article about in China, they were doing anal COVID testing because it's, they said it was the most accurate. So I called the CVS going, are you guys doing anal COVID testing? And it was, you know, it was this whole thing, you know, but the, you know, so I do those things and I, you know, I play, you know, some comedy bits on the show, but you know, I try and do a variety show. I listen, I grew up loving and admiring Howard Stern, right. uh, you know, uh, Tom Likas, and then also some political people, Dr. Laura, you know, listen, I've had mm. people, I've talked people off the ledge before on the show. So we do literally this, that, and the other radio show, which is why I called it that because it is this, that, and the other it is, it is everything, you know, and, and I've had guests from yeah, all walks it. of life. So, yeah. So now is it, is it, you said it's live, but can I listen to past episodes right now or no? Yeah. So I have an archive site, uh, on demand site, which ultimately gets uploaded to, you know, podcast, all the podcast okay. outlets, Apple and whatnot. So I don't upload the entire show because of music licenses, you know, sure. because I'm licensed to run the music while I'm doing it live. But, uh, what I do is I, I archive the interviews and while again, you go back to, are you a one man show? I am. And when I get done with the show, I'm like, oh, I'm done. Like I'm, it's pretty exhausting. Yeah, I'm and sure. Like Three hours sense the same. Yeah. Um, so I, I've not been so great, but I have about 20 shows archived, but I probably have about close to 200. You know, I've, I've interviewed mm -hmm. Mark Rippon, uh, MVP of the mm -hmm. NFL Super Bowl for the Washington Redskins. Redskins. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had Andy Dick on my show. There's a couple of uh, uploads of him. Like Andy Dick is an open book. Uh, I've had Susan Olson from the Brady Bunch, Malcolm Jamal Warner from, you know, so I've done some great interviews. I need to go and clip them, edit them and put them up. But yeah, 
to answer your question, I do have an archive. Uh, it's not as active and current as it should be. However, uh, Eddie Trunks will go up very soon. And we just uploaded uh, um, Greg D'Angelo, the original from the classic lineup of White Lion just went up too. How'd that conversation go with you being drummer with White Lion and now talking to the the original drummer the guy, in White Lion. It, it was it was great. It was great. And you know, while he's been asked, why did you leave White Lion many, many times? I feel like my show is the one that got the real answer. And you know, he did allude to, yeah, it was business, but he left it alone. Um, I feel like he hit some from ve some very good marks on it. He didn't go, well, Mike and Vito ripped me off. He didn't blame them. He attributed his departure from management and that. You know, while Mike and Vito were the songwriters, they got the publishing. Um, Greg went on and said, listen, you know, if you're the leader of the band and you have your guys and your 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 brothers, quote unquote, you got to make them happy, too, and keep them there and want them to right. be there. And that's not what happened. And that's the first time that he ever said that. Mm -hmm. And I was sympathetic to him because I've been in those situations. You know, typically drummers are drummers and that's it. And they're seen as drummers and they play the drums to the music that we wrote. And that's it, you know. And so I really sympathized with his plight, you know, not only with White Lion, but also with Zach Wilde. He, he, while they were on tour with Ozzy, Zach, James Lomenzo, and Greg started, it was called Leonard Skinhead at the time. They were doing like blues, Almond Brothers, Leonard Skinner, whatever, playing bars after the show. But it became a band and Zach had some original music and it would become Pride and Glory. Well, mm -hmm. Greg left the band one week before they were going to go in the studio. Why oh, did he? Yeah, he left one week. I thought he played on that album. He did not. That's Brian mm. Tishy. Mm. And uh, and Brian got the call like two days before and he came in there and, and you know, slayed it. Um, he did demo the album and I asked him about that. And he says, yeah, I recorded the album, but I didn't record the album. Not the one that got mm. released. I demoed it, you know, and uh, but he left for the same reasons. I, you know, I asked him, you know, why he goes similar situation, which tells me that Zach wrote the music. Right. Zach was going to get the publishing and these guys were just, you know, despite the fact that they started this jam band together, then started jamming original stuff together. They brought their talents to the table. But when it came down to the record deal, Greg yeah. wasn't going to get what he felt due. And so he left. And I was like, wow, you played with Zach for two, three years, developed this thing and left the week before you're going to do the album. And I feel like on my show it was the first time he actually divulged why he left, you know, because they, the split wasn't going to be favorable. You know, it's like, listen, I got, I got family too, you know? Yeah. And he feels that, you know, band members, band leaders have a, a, a due diligence to take care of the other guys that are supporting them in some way, you know, mm -hmm. not equal necessarily, but in some way. And I was like, wow, dude, I appreciate you being open about that because he had always skirted around it. And cause I watched numerous interviews and Greg doesn't do a lot of interviews and he never really said it. he pretty much, well, the business went bad and, and he, mm -hmm. he uh, gave a lot of blame in the white line situation to management and management should have said, Hey, Mike and Vito, if you, if these are your guys, then let them know it some way, somehow. And that didn't happen. That's why they left. Mm -hmm. So when you're filling in or joining, like say white lion, do you listen to the tracks and say, okay, I need to play them how Greg played them? Or do you just go in there knowing the structure of the song and hit your, your main accents and stuff, but do your own thing? I mean, how do you approach that? Yeah, no, definitely a little bit of both. Um, Mike was, you know, obviously learned the songs, the arrangements, but at this point in 05, you know, the band split up in 91, 92, right? So, you know, he had not, even though he had been, you know, remembering White Lion, he, which was a completely revamped version of the, of, uh, it was a re-recording of the songs, very different, you know, um, different approach. So Mike wasn't like, we have to do it like 1987, mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't like that. But it was like, here are the songs, here are the parts, but we're going to develop it as a band. And, and so we did that. So while, you know, there were signature parts that I was like, Oh yeah, this is a part that you don't leave out. You know, this is just how it goes. Um, we developed alternative parts, you know, but like, for example, radar love has a very signature and, and, and Greg and I talked about it by all accounts, the only real eighties tune that has a drum solo that went to number one on MTV, you know, right. like, I mean, the dude's got a drum solo in radar right. love. So, you know, I talked to Mike, I said, you know, I'm not a drum solo guy, you know, and I said, Mike, I go, how do you want to, like, how do you want to approach this? I said, do I do this? 
I don't know if I can do that or do I do my own thing or do we do kind of what they did in Golden Earring, you know, which is a little bit more of a don't, but don't, but I don't, but you know, and Greg, great conversation with Greg about this. How did you get to do the drum solo? Because it's very different than the original recording. And uh, Greg said, the producer said, Greg, you can do something different. You have something there. Do your thing. And that's how that came out. So he went back home and worked on, and it, and he broke it down to three. He goes, if you listen to it, it's three sections. So I did this in one section, this in one section, and then that third section. And then it went back in. And, uh, and that's how they did it. That's how he crafted it. But he was told to do his own thing because you have a thing. Nice. And I asked Mike about it. And I, I, I did uh, you know, try and corroborate with, with Greg, but Mike had said that whenever they did it live, for the most part, it was a train wreck. They never knew when to come in. You know what I mean? Like Greg was there, yeah, but the other yeah, band yeah. wasn't. When I asked Greg about this, he goes, no, we had clams, but we never messed that part up. I said, oh, that's funny. Cause Mike told me pretty much let's do the golden earring thing, but do it your own way. Make it kick ass, but just keep it simple and uh -huh. keep a pattern because, oh, I remember doing it with Greg. It was a total nightmare, you know, but meanwhile, it wasn't, was never Greg's issue. It was the band's issue. Yeah. They never, they're all waiting there to hit the down, 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 you know, but uh, yeah, we had a great conversation about radar love, but uh, yeah, to get back to the point, we just did, we paid tribute, but we developed as a band and, sure. and did our own thing, you know, that's awesome. All right. So are you currently doing any musical stuff right now, or are you just focused on the show right now, your radio show? Uh, you know, primarily focused on the show and I'm definitely looking to, uh, inject a lot of, um, uh, definitely, uh, a lot of exposure and mm -hmm. effort into the radio show, this, that, and the other, but, uh, I'm playing locally with some bands here doing a thing called Carolyn's all-star. So Carolyn sings backup vocal for, uh, Lou Graham, the original singer foreigner playing with Eden Stolman, who's on guitar. He played with, um, the outfield and Bob Seeger, And then our bass player, Sean Coos was in Joan Jett's band uh, many years ago, but for many years, you know, sure. so we do a thing where, you know, we're doing some casino gigs. So we're doing, you know, top of the pops, top 40 stuff, you know, but we also do um, music from our era. So we do Seeger and we do outfield and we do foreigner and do some white lion stuff, you know? Um, and then, uh, you know, I've got some other bands. I play with Gilby Clark. I have a band mm -hmm. called cheap thrill, which is with Brandon Gibbs. Uh, who was in a band called Devil City Angels with Ricky Rocket, uh, Joel Kosha from Collective Soul, uh, Eric Brittingham from Cinderella has been in that band. And then I have Lost Angels, which yeah, is another one of that. these, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, all-star bands, Eric Dover, uh, Ryan Roxy, Eric Dover, by the way, from Slash to Snake Pit mm -hmm. and uh, Jellyfish. Just amazing. The guy's a freak. And I say that in the right way. Um, and then Ryan Roxy, who is in uh, Alice Cooper's band, uh, again, Brittingham or EJ curse on bass. And then John Karabi joins us depending on what market we're in, you know? So, sure. and that, that again is one of those bands that we play music from everybody's genre and then some of our favorite tunes. And we've, That's we've got to be a blast. Tours. It is, it is so fun. And, and the talent, you know, I've organized it. I'm the one that brought them all together and did that, but I sit back there just going, wow, I'm playing with these guys. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I'm beside myself because the talent that Orion Roxy, Eric Dover, Eric Brittingham, EJ Curse, John Karabi bring to the table is just crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, we played India as our first show in soccer. Yeah. In 2010, you know, and uh, it, it, you know, it just happened that way. And that's kind of how it got born. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I sit there and kick myself, you know, we, at 2019, we, you know, I'm sitting there and thinking about it. God, it was three years ago, but I'm like, wow, it was only three years ago. We played Europe and we were down in Mexico. We did the, the down in Mexico tour with, uh, with Karabi. And it was, that was just two years ago. So mm -hmm. um, it is a great band and uh, playing with, with guys that are so talented like that, just, blow my mind you know and it really raises your level as, as it like oh i got sure, i gotta play yeah, this guy definitely. you know so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's that's pretty much it but uh you know as far as going out and touring and doing van tours and you know being miserable and not getting any dough and you know <laughs> motel six like i'm not looking for that i mean listen if it's with my brothers and that's what we're doing i'll do it too you know i'm, yeah. I'm all about it but uh you know I, I, you know 
I don't feel like things have to be so nasty anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, know, right. Things, no, you know, definitely not. Definitely. Well, places. it sounds sounds like you'd be keeping yourself busy and you got a lot yeah, going yeah. on. So that's awesome. Or at least I fake it, one of the two. <laughs> yeah, or at least you fake it. Well, <laughs> no, but that's awesome, man. So people can check you out where is what's your site? Drummer Troy? DrummerTroy.com. Yeah, yeah. DrummerTroy.com has all the links to everything. Um, and I do uh, this, that, and the other radio show. You can find that on Facebook. But yeah, if you go to DrummerTroy.com, it, it has everything there. Uh, live gigs, information about the uh, the radio show. You know, I have a great uh, web mistress, Diane, and I know she made some tweaks to it. So when you go to DrummerTroy.com, it's really kind of heavy on the radio thing right now, which I really mm -hmm. enjoy because the player's there. So you can stream the station, Dirty Radio Classics, 24-7. But you can go there on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and click on the player and hear the show. But if there's okay. live gigs, plus it has links to my Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everything there. And uh, right there. I reply to every message. I do what I can to interact with people and uh, you know, and, and just stay, you know, current as well as I yeah. can. That's awesome, man. Well, listen, I appreciate you joining me. It was a pleasure talking to you, Joe. It was awesome. And I appreciate the reach out to, uh, talk to you about all this stuff. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of fun going down memory lane, you know, for, for the better and for the worse on some of this stuff. But, uh, I gotta tell you, most of it's really good. And, uh, it warms my heart remembering some of these great memories with some great people and some great opportunities, you know, I mean, I've really had I've been very fortunate, you know, and, uh, yeah. I don't, uh, I don't discredit anything I've done, even though some of the, some of the crappy things that have happened, you know, playing in bands, you know, are just things that pivot you to, to learn to be better or learn to deal with adapt, improvise, overcome. So sure, sure. I love talking about this stuff. Thanks. Yeah, no worries, man. All right, buddy.